Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, a CME podcast series where each week we translate today's late-breaking clinical research and news into tomorrow's practice. I'm Frank Domino, professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health at the University of Massachusetts Medical School and editor-in-chief of the 5-Minute Clinical Consult series. Be sure to visit primed.com podcast after the discussion for more information about today's article and to claim CME CE credit. Vito is a 62-year-old carpenter with type 2 diabetes and hypertension. He takes metformin twice a day and lisinopril at bedtime. He has had some fatigue and achiness uh, that is new, and he's worried he might have COVID-19. He has no known exposures, and he is diligent about wearing a mask when he's out of the house. He keeps hearing about hydroxychloroquine from watching the news and reading online and asks you if he should get started on it now, just to be safe. Hi, this is Frank Domino, professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health, and joining me today to discuss the controversy around hydroxychloroquine for COVID-19 is Alan Ehrlich, associate professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health and executive editor at Dynamed. Good morning, Alan. Good morning, Frank. Wow. Um, I, must have, I must have 10 vetoes a day in the office, all asking for hydroxychloroquine. Um, what do you think? Does, does Vito, with his vague symptoms, have COVID-19? And, and, and how should we proceed in responding to his request? Well, the first thing, let's just review uh, for everybody. You know, the common symptoms of COVID-19 presentation include fever, chills, cough, shortness of breath, or, you know, difficulty breathing. Fatigue, muscle aches, and body aches are, are certainly part of that picture. Headaches, a new loss of smell or taste, a sore throat, congestion of nose, nausea, vomiting, or diarrhea. Now, while all those are symptoms, typically people will have either, either a fever or some type of respiratory complaint. Having just muscle aches and fatigue uh, is certainly less common. So, Vito might have COVID-19, he doesn't have any risk. He has no known exposures. He sounds like he's uh, doing what is recommended to minimize the likelihood of getting it. So there's a, there's a reasonable likelihood he doesn't have it. He just has muscle aches or fatigue from any number of other causes. I mean, those are very nonspecific symptoms. So I guess my first step would be to say to him, look, why don't we test you and see if, in fact, you've got COVID-19 before uh, thinking about whether to treat or not to treat. All right. So now we've 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 answered his initial uh, uh, question with we need to test him, but um, there's a fair amount of information and even a fair amount of misinformation about hydroxychloroquine. Can you help catch us up on the best evidence? Sure. And there've been a number. I mean, there've been a number of publications recently. So there have been no what I would call really high-quality publications, but I'll give you the best data that is out there, and it comes from June and July in the medical literature. Uh, First of all, there was a large cohort study. It was published in the New England Journal from patients in New York City. They looked at uh, over 1,300 patients. About 60% of them had received hydroxychloroquine. Uh, It was for five days. And they compared those two similar patients matched by severity and other things where they had not been given hydroxychloroquine. 
And what they were looking for was in this hospitalized population, did giving hydroxychloroquine reduce the likelihood that you'd get intubated or die? And the answer was no difference. Then in July, there were two randomized controlled trials that were published. And it's nice to see formally randomized controlled trials on this uh, drug that has received a lot of attention, often based on case series or, or very small uh, samples. So one of them was a study out of Spain published in Clinical Infectious Diseases. They looked at 353 adults who were randomized to either hydroxychloroquine or no antiviral treatment, just supportive care. And these were people who were early in the disease, and this would match you know, Vito's pop the population Vito would fall into. And what they looked at was how many of them wound up getting hospitalized. And it was 5.9% uh, or essentially 6% with hydroxychloroquine and 7.1% or 7% with uh, no treatment. And that difference was not significant. They also looked at symptom duration and the amount of uh, viral load in the nasopharyngeal swabs. And again, there were no differences. And then most recently in the Annals of Internal Medicine, they published a randomized controlled trial that was placebo controlled, looking at patients from uh, Minnesota and Canada. And they compared hydroxychloroquine to placebo to look at, first of all, rates of hospitalization and death. There were no significant differences there. And they also then looked at symptom severity on a 10-point scale. And hydroxychloroquine had a lower symptom severity by about a quarter of a point, quarter of one point on the 10-point scale, and this was not clinically significant. So you've got three publications lately that have all said we can't find a meaningful benefit in the use of hydroxychloroquine, either in hospitalized patients or in patients early in the disease to prevent them from getting more sick. Okay, so we have no good data that shows hydroxychloroquine is effective for treating COVID-19. What are some of the downsides? Because I will say there's a fair amount of data out there that shows people around the country are prescribing this drug at um, numbers far greater than there were um, in January of this year before people began thinking about COVID-19 and, and hydroxychloroquine. Well, you're certainly right about that, and it's not because we've had an outbreak of lupus. So, yes. uh, you know, they're they're prescribing it for this based on again, you know, preliminary data. And I, at some level, I understand that when you feel like you have a disease uh, that is very serious and we don't have good treatments, people will grasp at anything. But it's important to understand that you know we have a procedure for evaluating drugs to determine their effectiveness for good reasons. Now, hydroxychloroquine has been around for a long time, and so side effects about it are certainly known. Probably the two most concerning ones that I would uh, think about are QT prolongation and also severe hypoglycemia, and especially when you think that many of the people at greatest risk for COVID-19 are elderly, and in that population, severe hypoglycemia, we know from certainly diabetes, can have uh, very detrimental effects. In any event, um, in the trials that I quoted, uh, in the trial out of Spain, the rates of adverse effects were 72% with hydroxychloroquine versus 9% uh, in the control group. And the main symptoms that were found with hydroxychloroquine, the adverse effects, were diarrhea, nausea, abdominal pain, 
and uh, then some nervous system disorders such as drowsiness, headache, or a metallic taste. In the uh, paper coming from the annals, the uh, the main symptoms that were reported were gastrointestinal, and it was twice as common with hydroxychloroquine as placebo, 43% versus 22%. Yeah, I uh, many of our listeners know about my friend Phil, who became so ill back in, in March from COVID-19. And uh, while he was hospitalized, he was placed on hydroxychloroquine and within 24 hours went into uh, fairly significant arrhythmia. And... Uh, uh, it, 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 it's shocking that we, we, we sometimes think these fairly commonly used medications are innocuous. Um, is there any data at all that shows hydroxychloroquine prevents infection if you've been exposed? So, again, there's anecdotal stuff. There is observational data, but the observational data is much more prone to bias. And so, you know, we know that most patients who get COVID-19 do not require hospitalization. We know most patients with COVID-19 will get better with no treatment. So if you give a bunch of people who seem to have mild illness, hydroxychloroquine, and they do well, it doesn't prove anything. It is the equivalent of giving um, antibiotics for viral infections in sore throat. We know that the viral infection is going to get better anyhow, but you can sure make it look like the antibiotics are making a difference just because of the natural uh, history, the natural course of the disease. So to me, the only way you can really tell if it is either shortening the course of the disease, preventing you from getting more sick, whether it be uh, when you're in the hospital, getting out quicker or avoiding going into the hospital, the only way you can do that is with randomized trials. And here we have two of them that have not shown a significant difference. I, I equated to when I was a, a kid growing up in New Jersey, um, I had a whistle that would keep tigers away. And as long as I blew it every day, there were no tigers in central New Jersey attacking me. And I, I want I you to know, Frank, this is... <laughs> you, your, your powers of the whistle extended to North Jersey too, because I didn't see any there. That makes us feel safe. All right, so now we have to counsel Vito. What should we say? Well, you know, there's clear guidance on this from both the National Institutes of Health and the Infectious Disease Society of America, and they recommend using hydroxychloroquine only in the context of a clinical trial, and that makes perfect sense. We need to know if this works or it doesn't work. This is not something where people... I know it's gotten very political uh, as people take various stances, but we want to take a scientific approach. And the way we take a scientific approach is by having data. And the best data is coming from randomized trials, and that's what we need to be looking at to make decisions. And so in the absence of better data, we don't have any reason to say hydroxychloroquine may help. And if you think that you want to try it as a patient, then you should be encouraged to be in a clinical trial. I, I want to add one last point about the trial from the annals, because a lot of times when you hear arguments about this, people will say, well, you know, they weren't taking zinc, or they weren't uh, looking at vitamin D levels, or, or things like that. And there's always these reasons that get thrown out. In this particular study in the annals, they did actually a post hoc analysis where they 
looked to see people who were taking supplemental zinc. It, they weren't randomized that way, but looking at the populations, did it make any difference? And the answer was no. And so I think the burden of proof is on those who advocate for hydroxychloroquine to show that it works in a clinical trial and not to simply poke holes at uh, other data that doesn't align with you know, a preconceived notion. Alan, thanks. That's perfect. That's a great response, and I think it helps us all inform how we should respond to patients as well as we should think about using this drug. Um, thank you again, and uh, take care. Thanks for having me, Frank. Practice pointer. Hydroxychloroquine for COVID-19 does not prevent the illness, nor does it shorten the duration of symptoms, lessen the severity of symptoms, prevent hospitalization, or death. Join us next time when we discuss the best treatment for diabetes that lowers mortality. Be sure to join Dr. Frank Domino, host of this podcast, for Primary Care Now, a PrimeMed virtual conference taking place September 10th through 12th. Along with his colleague and friend, Dr. Sanjeev Chopra, Dr. Domino will be a keynote speaker during this virtual learning experience. You can register for free and earn up to 20 CME CE credits by attending. Learn more at www.primed.com slash primarycarenow. Thank you for listening to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, brought to you by PrimeMed. To claim credit and receive additional information about the article referenced in today's episode, visit primed.com slash podcast and see you next week.